Blog Talk Radio. by hospice with Marcia Joyner. I want to let you know if you're calling in and you have a comment or a question, if you select one on your phone, you will be put into a queue and you will be able to talk at that time. These are real stories from people who have suffered a loss of a loved one at the hands of medical professions. We hope that we can give you some insight, maybe some red flags for you to look for. Tonight we have Jackie Ferrara on the line, and her hus- she lost her husband on August the 3rd, 2017, at the age of 72. His name was Tony Ferraro, and she's going to tell you her story and what she found out. So, Jackie, with that, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Marcia. Okay, good evening, everybody. Um, yes, um, I lost my husband August 3rd of 2017. Um, my husband was previously in the hospital. He did have some other uh, health issues. At the time he was in the hospital, he um, was there for a psoriasis outbreak due to a, um, a side effect from a CBG drug that cleared up his uh, bladder cancer back in 2015. So that, that drug had caused him to have the psoriasis, which is a very, very bad case of, bad case of it which, of course, you know, the skin would bleed and scratch and he'd itch. So um, the only way to really clear it up was to put him in the hospital for a couple of days, uh, give the uh, IV antibiotics, and then he would normally come home to me or go to a nursing home just for to get some, you know, go for some therapy to, you know, to get strength back before he came home or we do in-home health. So, so ironic, so prior, uh, five days prior to... Um, the 18th of July, I was approached by uh, this woman, and she said, you know, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, and I really didn't know who she was. She introduced herself, and um, she said she was from hospice, and I said, oh, okay. So um, she had all my husband's information, like how many times he was in the hospital since January of that year, of 2017. And she says, well, he's been in the hospital an awful lot. He's been in rehab, you know, the nursing home rehab an awful lot. And he's had home health care an awful lot. So do you think, you know, he might want to, you know, have all this stuff? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're trying to say. So she says, well, he's alert. Let's go talk to him. So she proceeded into my husband's um, hospital room, and she started talking to him. She started um, actually putting things, like, in his mind, like, um, Tony, you don't want to be poked. 
You don't want to be prodded anymore. You don't want to be in these beds anymore. They're so uncomfortable. You don't want to go to rehabs anymore. You just want to be home and be taken care of. And, you know, and he said, yes, that's, that's what I want. I don't want this no more. So then she brought up the, the part of the, um, you know, what if you went into a, uh, a cardiac arrest or a, a congestive heart failure and they had to do a CPR to save his life, would he want to be on a ventilation, a ventilation machine or any kind of machine? So he said, well, yeah, I want to live. I want to live. I don't want to die. I want to live. So my husband was very afraid of death to begin with. So I want to make that clear. Very afraid to die. So in the meantime, so she gets up and she walks out of the room and she says, okay, he got, I guess he's a full code. So a full code means that no matter what happens, they will do whatever they can to survive them, whether they end up on a machine or not, and then other directives will take care after that. So in the meantime, he was a full code. He was coming home to me, and everything was going to be fine, and I thought hospice was going to take care of him here because they were like 24-7, which came out not to be true. So on the 18th of July, he was, dis- he was discharged to me in my home. Um, the following day, I met all these people. It was like a whirlwind in my house, a circus. I had uh, nurses. I had um, uh, directors. I had all these people. Um, and they were telling me what's going on, and, and he could be out of this in a, you know, a couple weeks. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing like you know, um, written in stone that he can get better. But still nothing about why hospice, you know, what, were they, what they were all about to me. So we continued, and then I noticed that my husband, like on about four days in, he was acting very differently, and, you know, I didn't like the way he was acting. So I had called them, and I said, you know, well, the nurse wasn't here at that time. So she said, well, you have the kit in the refrigerator. And I said, yeah, okay, because they had delivered a little box that you put in the refrigerator, and I never opened it. So when I, she said, oh, go to, go to the refrigerator, open the box. Uh, take out the papers, and I'm going to tell you what to do. So she proceeded to inform me of what drugs were in that box, which were um, a lot of them. There was like seven or eight drugs in that box. So she says, well, I want you, you know, there was morphine, there was Ativan, there was Halidol, there was fentanyl, um, there was suppositories, um, there was uh, pills, all kinds of um, droppers for medication, all kinds of crazy things. So she told me to give him some of the morphine in the cheek, uh, give him some Halidol, and to give him Ativan. So I know about the Ativan, and I know about the morphine, but never didn't know anything about the Haldol, however they pronounce it. So he had calmed down. He, the restlessness had stopped. So then it started to get increased. So, of course, then the medication started to increase. So by Monday... Uh, the 24th, my husband was put on something called crisis care, and I don't know if anybody knows what that means. But crisis care is 12 hours of two days straight of nonstop medication and trying to make the patient comfortable for out, it's called um, breakout pain. So, like, let's say um, they don't want him ever to be in pain, so he'll always be covered by one drug or another. So... He would have the morphine, he would have the Ativan, um, then the, he would have the, um, the fentanyl patch put on, and then he'd have um, the Halidol again. And, you know, he 
wasn't eating, he wasn't drinking, and things were getting, you know, really scary. So this happened for two days, and I had mentioned to them that he had no um, nutrition or no um, fluids. So they said, well, you know, that's part of it. So we tried to give him some fluids, and whatever happened, he really spit him out. He really didn't want anything. So Wednesday comes, and um, he's a little more calmer. The nurse comes. They do their thing. They, You know, we clean him up. We change him and do all that. Now, Thursday, um, I had company, and... Um, and it was his cousin and my son, his wife, and my and my granddaughter. And um, things were not looking good on Thursday at all. There was too many people in my house. It was crazy. I was told that Tony um, ended up was did not have a terminal illness. That it was only a a very bad UTI. So I had called hospice and I had told them this, and they said that the nurse would never tell you that. And I said, well, she did, and she's right here. Would you like to talk to her? She took my phone, went outside. Whatever they said, they said. The next thing I know was they were ordering Peridium, which is a, a drug for UTIs. So now Thursday after everybody leaves, um, I, I say, I'm, I, I can't do this. I, I don't like this. This is not my husband. This is not my husband. I'm here by myself now. So I call hospice, like protocol. And I say, I'm calling 911. They say, you can't call 911. I says, I'm calling 911. She says, Jackie, you have to wait for a nurse to get there. I am not waiting for anybody. I'm calling 911. Something is wrong with my husband. So she says, well, if you call 911, your Medicare will be revoked for hospice. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about that. So in the meantime, 911 comes. And, of course, you know, it's the fire truck. It's everything, you know, the whole showdown. And um, they, of course, ask me what's going on. I tell them they're in the room with my husband. I'm outside in my kitchen with this other man. He says, can I ask you what you gave him today? So I handed him the list. All that came out of his mouth was, oh, my God. So he proceeded into the bedroom, ended up that my husband was overdosing. So they had taken, they were wheeling him out of my house. In the meantime, my husband had grabbed me so tight and was trying to tell me something, but could not get the words out of his mouth. I don't know what he was trying to say to me. So we let it go. So he's in the ambulance. They were working on him in the ambulance. They gave him Narcan twice. It did not work. So they don't give Narcan unless you're overdosing. Okay? So right. Now he was taken to e- right. So now he was taken to ER. And who do I see there but a hospice nurse? And I said, get away from me. Get out of here. You are, you, I, I do not want you near my husband. My husband is a full code. Said to the ER doctor, do whatever you can, please. So they take him in the room. They work on him for 45 minutes. Now, in the meantime, I'm pacing. I'm making phone calls, blah, blah, blah. So the doctor, ER doctor comes out and says, Mrs. Ferrara, your husband had an opioid overdose of mind-altering drugs. I have it documented right in front of me, written out by the doctor. So he's going to go to ICU. Um, we had to give him another, um, some more drugs to get him calm. And this time he had something hanging out of his neck with like five tubes because they couldn't get a central line on the other side. So now he, hospice is revoked. They are out of my life, okay? And um, the ER doctor calls his primary doctor. His primary doctor is now back on the case, okay? A little did I know that he was even off of it. So, um, because hospice is supposed to be just taking care of my husband as 
keeping him comfortable and taking care of him not to kill him, basically. So now, the 20, this is the 27th, the 28th, he has admitted, and now um, this woman comes again to me and she says, Mrs. Ferrara, we have to, you have to make some decisions here. And I said, about what now? She says, well, your husband's sodium level is at 166. And I said, I know that, and that's very high. And I said, and I'm going to tell you why it's high, because I told hospice he did not eat or drink for six days. He had no nutrition or no fluid for six days, which causes your sodium to go up because of the kidney, which also causes your bones and your muscles to hurt, which then you start to moan and groan, and then right away, what do they push? The Ativan, the morphine, morphine. the fentanyl, okay? The fentanyl to keep the patient from having the pain. Okay, so it wasn't pain from any of his illnesses. It was pain from the lack of nutrition and and um, fluid. Uh, what was I to say? The fluid. Fluid. Okay, and that right. is a, yes, and that is a known fact. Without fluids and nutrition, your bones and muscles hurt. So as soon as a person moans, right away it's pain, pain pills, pain pills, pain medication. So okay, so now we are on the 28th. He's still he's not on hospice still. So now, he's not waking up either. Nothing. I'm talking to him. I'm talking to him. Tony, wake up. Come on, honey. You, you can do this. You can do what so much. I fought for this man for 11 years. I got him out of every sick situation he has ever been in. I have so many people that can vouch for me. He had a stroke. He came out of that. He should have never came out of that stroke. But with love... And, and persistence and, and getting on doctors and stuff, you can bring somebody back. You really can. That's and right. And this time I couldn't. And this time I couldn't because they got to me. They did something and they got to me. So now the 31st comes that Monday, and they're telling me we have to move your husband to an IPU, which is an inpatient unit at the um, hospice um Office of the Comforter in Altamont Springs in Florida. And that is where he had to go. And I said, no, I want to take my husband home. Still, not one of them used the word death to me. Used the word that my husband was dying to me. Not once until I found it after the fact. And I'm going to tell you in a minute. So he goes to the IC. He goes to this place. And um, I'm looking, and I said to the nurse there, I said, where's my husband's, where's his IV bag? And she says, well, we don't treat here. I'm like, what do you mean you don't treat here? She says, we just, it's comfort care. So now, in the meantime, my sister-in-law is with me. She's the one that had to tell me, Jackie, my brother's dying. And I'm like, Lillian, what are you talking about? My husband's not dying. And she talked to the doctor. Um, the doctor had come into the room, said my husband's respirations were good, his pupils were good, um, everything was looking good. So I figured, okay, this is a good thing, but it's not. It was, a, it was an on time um, towards death, to the end of his life. So his sister asked the doctor, how long does my brother have? And he, she, he said less, probably a two, less to a, a day to two. That's it. She comes back and tells me. So now on the, so now on August third at one oh eight in the morning, I get a tap on my shoulder that my husband is gone. Not even to wake me up because they knew they know when that 
patient is going to die because the patient makes certain noises or reacts in a certain way or they have them on a monitor Well, they know that something is going on brain activity-wise or whatever. So they waited to after the fact to wake me up. Where, where were you at that time? I was on the floor in the hospital room okay. right next to his bed. Okay. All right. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have been in the bed with him at that point. So now, okay, he's gone. Okay, and uh, then all the chaos starts. And um, I, you know, we, we have the, the funeral, and which was another disaster. Um, I waited so long for a death certificate. I got a death certificate. I uh, had the wrong diagnosis on it. They called it end-stage renal disease, end-stage renal. And I said, I called hospice. I said, this is wrong. He died of an overdose. I have the papers in front of me. They say the hospitals... They always say that when it comes to hospice. I'm like, oh, they do. Okay, fine. So now um, I want to fight the um, uh, the service had already went past my husband on the August 9th. Okay, I'm I'm jumping here, so just bear with me, people. August okay. 9th was my husband's uh, final goodbye. So I'm waiting for this death certificate now. Okay, waiting and waiting and waiting. So um, I finally get it, and this is when my fight begins. And this is when I find out everything that I'm about to tell you so that I didn't know prior to hospice. So the death certificate comes in. It's wrong. I call hospice. I argue with them, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happens. So now I say, okay, well, I'm going to do an autopsy. So I call the funeral home, and I talk. Uh, it's called Newcomer Funeral Home in Orlando, Florida. They said, Mrs. Flora, he's been cremated already. And I said, you didn't give me a date of cremation. You just gave me the death certificate yesterday. How could you have done the cremation? He said, well, it was done prior to that. So you cremate a body prior to giving somebody their death certificate? So that, I lost it then. I came home. I went nuts. I I started. I just said, this is is uncalled for. This is ridiculous. Something's wrong. I started gathering papers. I just I went to the hospital. I wanted records. I wanted papers. I just kept going crazy. I'm getting everything I needed. So now, two weeks later, I get a phone call because there's a balance at the funeral home, and I refuse to peg it. So I get a phone call from the owner, and my bill is waived. Okay? My bill is waived. I do not owe the funeral home any more money. Why? Because they made a mistake. So they also screwed up on my husband's death, okay? I blame them also because I have no body to do an autopsy to prove the overdose that they're denying. Okay. Right. Now, in the meantime, right. I, come to, I come to, yeah, so in the meantime, I come to find out that my husband, okay, so that uh, when he was admitted, when he went into the ER, that this nurse that was at the hospital had told them that I said, do everything for my husband except CPR. Now, if that makes sense to anybody, I don't know. It doesn't make sense not to me. Not at all. No, absolutely okay. not. He Thank was you. full code, okay. which meant do everything exactly. you can to save him. He was very exactly. clear about that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marcia, for that. So anyway, so I find that out. Then I come to find out that I interrupted my husband's death, and I'm going to tell you how. When he had crisis care on March, I'm um, sorry, on uh, July 
24th and 25th, when I got all the documents from hospice and everything, when I mm-hmm. read what they wrote, it said imminent death less than three days. So that means on Wednesday when he was quiet, on Thursday when he got very agitated, so instead of me calling 911, the nurse would have came, she would have gave the final doses of what he needed, and my husband was supposed to die on the 28th of July. But I interrupted his death by calling 911 on Thursday, which only made it worse because he died five days later. So either way, it wouldn't have mattered. They did what they did. But I interrupted my own husband's death, and but still never told me the word dying. They never told me the word dying, that he was going to die until I read it on the papers in front of me. Imminent death less than three days. Okay? That's what I had to read after the fact. After the fact. They when him, you took him, because imminent death, if you're given as many drugs as he's given, then you're going to have imminent death. And that's how they calculated mm-hmm. it because they yeah. didn't expect you to take him to the emergency room. And that's why exactly. the nurse told you that if you do, you are revoking hospice, and she tried mm-hmm. to threaten you by telling you that Medicare wasn't going to pay for it. Exactly. And exactly. like you said, I don't care. I want to save my husband. When he was in the hospital and they gave him um, the Narcon, you said several times, were they also yes, giving right. him an IV with fluids to try to get some fluids back in him? Do you know? Oh, yeah, he was on, yes, he was a full setup. Yes, he was a full setup, and that's what I was going to get to next because the okay. kidneys came down, the sodium level came down to 151, okay? Okay, Which the so normal it was helping him. The, yes, the normal range for the kidneys is 135 to 145. He was at 151, and they could not wait. They could not wait another day, another day or two, okay? And another thing, they never even offered him, offered me or him the dialysis, which was really strange because anybody that's in renal failure, the first thing they, they do is they put you on dialysis to see if you can take it. And if you can't take it, obviously you can't. But I was never offered an alternative of his kidneys. So I but never offered dialysis. Which just read but that since too. his That's level, thing I just read. since his level was dropping because they were giving yes. him IVs, it would seem to yes. me I'm not a doctor, but that that was going to continue to improve. I mean, you yes, were only right. You were only a few no. points from it being in the normal range. Exactly, exactly. And I begged them. I said, why? Because they approached me on the 31st. He was not on hospice while he was in the hospital because they were caring for him. On the 31st is when they sent an urgent message out. I have the paper here. They sent an urgent message out to to his primary and said, he needs, this is the plan of treatment for your patient. He needs to go to IPU, which means inpatient unit, at their facility, okay? Now, now, like I said, his doctors don't even talk to me. I have not talked to my husband's um, primary doctor. I have not talked to my husband's kidney doctor 
nobody will talk to me. So I don't know if they are are thinking I did this, but I did not do this. What no, I did, you didn't, and what, and, but no, no, no. But what I did is these people, these people, put those drugs in my hands, my hands, and made me give them to him, like I was told to keep him calm, to do this, to that. I had no knowledge. Suppositories to slow up the digestive system. Have you ever heard of such a thing? They wanted to slow his digestive system so he wouldn't be hungry. How good that? How is this human humane? It's not. It is not. This man, whether he had other illnesses, could have had another eight years, maybe. I don't know. No, I'm not God, but he was not hospice material. And I really believe in my heart that Medicare or whatever or, you know, the system, the medical system, that he was costing way too much money for the same incidences of going into the hospital. Okay? Because every time he went in the hospital, something else would go wrong. So this is the craziness of this whole situation. So now the other things I wanted to talk about is I want people to also know I want people to also know that, um, you know, there was there was a time um, where when I found out also that hospice had the audacity to call 911 and apologize for me for calling them. Now, what, that's all my papers. I have that right in front of me. Like now, you did something wrong. You, yes. Why would you call 911? And offer your apologies on my behalf when I did nothing wrong but see my husband acting like a, a lunatic, not knowing where he is, not knowing what he's doing. How, why would I, do, you know, what am I supposed to do? You didn't. For them to they did not need to apologize for you, Jackie. Of course you were not. Pre- trying That's to protect your husband. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. And I have it right here. Okay. Act. You know, accidental, overdose, mind-altering drugs. You know, everything is here. Everything's in my papers. You know, acute urinary tract infection. That's that's what the MD. That's what the ER doctor said. UTI. I mean, I have everything here in front of me. And you want to know the worst part is, out of I, 12 lawyers, I've tried to get 12 lawyers to help me, and every single lawyer has turned me down. And you want to know why? Because it's not worth the money for them. I don't want money. I don't want money for my husband. Okay? They would have to hire, they would have to hire specialists on this, on that, and they feel that it's not worth their time because there's not enough money in the case. Well, isn't that nice? So now my husband was a number and now he's he's a price, okay? So this is what I'm getting at. And no lawyer, I wrote to my congresswoman, I wrote to two of our mayors in in Orlando, I wrote to the senators, I wrote to the governor, I wrote to the White House, I wrote to, I went to the DA, I went, they told me I had to go to the police station, I went to the Altamont police station, they told me I had to do it with um, Orlando because he was originally in Orlando, Orange County, they said no because he died in because he died in Altamont Springs. You have to do it through them. So I got the runaround, the runaround. Okay, how many papers I faxed 
how, how much money I went through faxing papers to lawyers and faxing papers and getting copies and copies and copies of things for people. For 18 months, I have been fighting for somebody to listen to me. And, Marcia, you answered my cry for help. And if anybody is out there, if anybody's out there and, and can hear what I'm saying, this is, this is what happens. You have to be aware. I am not saying hospice isn't for everybody. Believe me. Believe me. But hospice wasn't for my husband. Not at that time. Not at no. that time. No. Okay? And so, you know, and you just don't, you, you, you just don't, there's, there's no justice for him. And you, there's no justice for him. He's gone. They took away. They, they, they took away. They took him away from me. They took him away from me. And and they had no right to do that. They had no right to do that. And I'm very, very upset over that. And well, I don't you know have every right to be, Jackie. You, you have every of right course. to be. And it is a financial thing, unfortunately, because they make a decision who is worthy to live. And if you're costing too much money, then yes. it's time for you to go. Yes, well, and that's, uh, that's what I believe. And I believe you because how would she know that my husband was in the hospital that many times? And she's a, she's a hospice nurse, so she's just not going to be hanging out at the hospital. So somebody no, but you know the nursing homes, the hospitals and the nursing homes for rehabilitation work right. together, and that's how hospice okay. finds out that patients have been in multiple times, and there is a cap. Okay on how much hospice will how much medicare will pay for a hospice patient in year exactly. 2018 it was 28,689 for 2019 wow. the cap is now $29,205 for them to take him at your house when they did that crisis care they charge a much yes. higher price for that that they get paid it's continuous care and that they okay. get $976 a day for that. If they take him as inpatient, then they make more money. Of course. So and that's why is, they were so that's why they were pushing for the inpatient so badly. That's what it was. Right. That's what it was. Right. But and it comes he, uh, down to a money thing, which is wrong right. and that's why you know that's why Marty lets us do these shows. That's why you have hospice patient orgs for the rights of people. There's stealth euthanasia. Ron Panzer has written stories about it. And yes. that's why we have You Belong to the Murdered by Hospice group on Facebook. Yes. There would not exactly. be such a thing if there were not so many of us that have, ha- have exactly. found each other and found out that this is happening around our country. Right, and if you're and not I know aware, how I... mm-hmm. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, if you know the people that are listening now, if you are not aware of these things, like we were not when we have lost our loved ones, then you can't fight against it. And that's why we do these shows to let you know that you do have rights and you can revoke yes. hospice. Unfortunately, okay. Jackie, you revoked hospice. And they still came back into the hospital and took over. Exactly, 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 exactly. And this is why I'm so angry. Like, how do, what right do they have? 
what right did these people have to come in and turn my world upside down? And I'm going to read you something real fast, and I want everybody to listen to this. So on admission, I want you, when he was admitted, I just want you to hear, I just want you to hear what his vitals were, okay? Even though he was overdosing, okay? His vitals, his, the temperature was 98.9. His heart rate was 95, normal. His respiratory rate was, respiratory rate spontaneous was 18, normal. His O2 saturation, normal. Delivery device was room air. His blood pressure was 170, a little high, and 80 on the bottom. And his blood pressure, NPV, was at 110. So for somebody overdosing on this, these drugs, and they're telling me, and to have these vital signs, okay, tells me something, that my husband did not have a fever, there was no infection, there were no diseases, there was no urosepsis happening, there was nothing happening as far as infection-wise when that man went into that hospital on the 27th. Because if there was infection, and if, there, and, and if they did tell me he has a very bad infection, the only infection my husband had was the psoriasis, and that would not raise his temperature. And these figures I have are right here from the 27th of when he got admitted. So nobody with these, with these vital signs are sick, are sick. And they turned everything around and made it look like he had this and he had that and he had everything else going. And it's wrong, and it's wrong. And I, I, like I said, the, I, I, don't know, know, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, I got lawyer after lawyer, you know, uh, like all the people out there, like, like doesn't anybody want to help anybody with this? I hear that I hear that older people now are having things tattooed on their body, like do not, like I do not want to die, um, I do not want hospital, whatever. They're, like they they have to go to that point where they're tattooing on their bodies what their last what they want for their last rights or whatever, and it's crazy. Now my husband should have had a choice, and he, he did should have, and he didn't. Yes, and I know what his choice would have been. I want to live. That man was afraid to die. He feared death. Okay? Do you know, like, the hardest part for me was not knowing what he said when he was being wheeled out, and then after everybody going home at the funeral and whatever, after everybody going home and to be in my apartment alone, and the next morning, the next morning, I look around, and I, and I don't hear him asking for coffee. I don't hear him saying Jackie, but I, I don't hear my name. I, I, I don't hear my name ever again except from friends. I don't hear my husband calling my name anymore. I, I, I can't hold his hands anymore. You know, I can't hug him anymore. He can't hug me. I can't kiss him. I can't do anything. You know, no, I can't and hold they... him. He can't hold me. And I don't. And at first, I didn't even know where he was. If he was in transition, if he already went up above, like they say, because I know he depended on me for everything. Okay. I they at that time they totally changed your life. They they mm-hmm. ripped your world out from under you, 
Um, and I also me. want to say again that your husband was 72. That is right, not exactly. a really old, that is not an old age. No. You know, for those of no. us that are, you know, kind of getting close, um, that is not old. And yeah. he could have had a long life ahead of him. And I I guess I'm not, you know, in the hospital. I know you've got the records there, but after they gave him the fluids and after they gave him the Narcon to bring him out from under that, sometimes yeah. it, you can be gone too far. And I guess that is what, you know, when they when hospice came back in and took back over is, I guess yep. at that point they were saying he can't come back out from under this. And I don't know right, if exactly. there's a limit to how much Narcon they can give him. Um, yeah. But it, it is very tragic. Yeah. And it's for the people cocktail. that are listening out there, if, yeah. if you haven't had it happen to you, that's great. Yeah. And we're just yeah. letting you know that these things do happen. And yeah. Look for the signs. If they start talking to you about giving them Ativan and Haldol, that's for anxiety. Those giving somebody those drugs will cause some of the same effects as shallowing their breath, making it difficult for you. They get nauseous, and then they want to give you morphine because they want to tell you that they're in pain when they're agitated. Morphine causes agitation. Yeah, they're no, not. they're not. They're not. They're not. But it, they're not. And it's it so it. it's just, yeah. And that's why they have them. But, that's why they have them. They had you give that to him, you know, Ativan and morphine. For, right. One's for anxiety and the other is for the pain. But they are literally causing the pain because of not giving them any fluids and not giving them food. Exactly. And the fentanyl patch, 25 milligrams. Come on, that's enough to kill a horse, almost. Well, I heard, well now fentanyl, I don't know about, you know. Well, fentanyl know. is 100 times stronger than morphine and 50 times exactly. stronger than heroin. Yes, and exactly. the uh, side effects from morphine will cause bluish hue to the skin, and they'll also uh-huh. use that as something to tell you that that's a sign of, you know, imminent death because they're turning blue, well, they won't tell you that morphine will cause that. Um, It causes you, you know, to be confused, agitated, and, you know, which which Tony was because Tony was afraid and he didn't know what was going on, so, yes, he was getting agitated. Of course, he depended on everything, too, you know? Right. So uh, I just... It's hard. It's hard. It's very difficult because I'm I'm angry. I'm still angry. I'm angry. I'm guilt. I feel guilt. I'm angry. I'm mad. I I, I have so many different emotions. Sure and you it's do. It's like the grieving the grieving process. It it's so difficult, and people need to know that. It's you know I pray that none of these ever go into my position where you have to keep giving those drugs in your home to your loved ones because that when he started spitting them out, I felt so good at first, but then it was like, Jackie, you have to do better. You have to do better. We have to get them in him. And it was like, you know, here I am, you know, basically putting the syringe in his mouth where he can't spit this medicine out. 
because they're telling me he's in pain, and I don't want him to be in pain, you know? Right. I don't want him to be but, but Jackie, anymore. you didn't have any way of knowing that. You you had not, no way to know that. Me. So it's they don't tell you. It should be you should give consent to the drugs. But before that, mm-hmm. they need to tell you what exactly they're going to do. And the Ativan... Yeah. And the Haldol shouldn't, is a black box drug, and it should not be given to anybody okay. over the age of 65. Your husband yeah. was 72. Right, and that's another thing. I, all the drugs that they gave me, all the drugs that I have in my hand here, the first line, the first warning line, the first sign says warning, there's a higher chance of death in older adults who take this drug for mental problems. He didn't have mental problems from dementia. He didn't have mental problems at all. They caused his mental problems with this drug. Exactly. The next drug. The next drug. Morphine. The same thing. The next drug. Um, warning. Sometimes deadly liver problems have happened in the use of this drug. The next one. Um, if you are taking this drug, uh, this do not take this drug with an opioid. But guess what they were doing? Well, so what, yeah. they were giving him. Yeah, they were giving him the other opioids with it. Well, okay? morphine and fentanyl. Here. Right. Yeah, and here's another one. The the pro uh, procloper. Um, this is a, there's a higher chance of death in older adults who take this drug. Um, the next one, uh, the bisac, whatever it was. Uh, you know, you shouldn't take this drug if you have if you have kidney conditions, uh, uh, shortness of breath, or if you have like rash, hives, whatever. Do not take this drug. He had psoriasis. Of course, he had a rash, and they still gave him the drug. And the last one, the last one, um, the the tablets. Um, this is the one to speed um, uh, to slow the speed in the stomach, the uh, gas gastrointestinal uh, tract. Okay. Like to get the, everything to go full, but there was no food in there. So why am I giving him a drug for for his um, his stomach if there's no food? What is the purpose of these drugs? What is the purpose of the the fentanyl patch? What is the purpose it, of any of it? That's what I now don't this is I don't, uh, you said they gave you a bag or a box of drugs. Were those all bo- the drugs that were in that box? Yes. Yeah, they were. So. Okay, so it's yeah, one good. box for all. Then one, if, two, yeah, three, yeah. Four, so I'm saying, you know, even five. no matter what the circumstances are, these are the drugs that they give you, and based on what you call and say, you know, he's agitated yeah. or he's irritable, or that, then they right. would pick and choose from that and say, well, give him some of this, and then the next hour give him right. this. So right. it's like a one box fit all. Yeah. Exactly, and there are seven drugs. There's uh, eight drugs in the box. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know they tell their suppositories. All you know their suppositories also the syringes. Uh, some of them are tiny pills, and then these these drugs. Like after I read everything, like Parkinson's disease and, and all this stuff. This is not. He didn't have any of this. He did not have dementia. He didn't have anything. He came home on the 18th, smiling, happy, eating. Everybody came to visit. He was fine on the 18th. And then the 19th and the 20th and the 21st, it just started. And I was like, oh, my God. And that's why I had to call. I mean, I, the guilt, it's just, it's just guilt. It's just guilt. It's just guilt. Because I, I it's just, you don't understand. You did, it's just so you hard. Did the, it's so hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too 
held accountable for their actions. And they need to be upfront and they need to be honest and, and tell you this is what's going to happen. And, and let me know if they, if they knew my husband was going to die. They, they needed to tell me the truth and not just pussyfoot around, around me. Let me know what's going on. Let me prepare myself. You know, let me prepare my family. Let me prepare my children. Let me do something. Just don't, just don't, you know, drag me along with all this. And, and then at the final end, it's over. It's just over. You know what it's like never, well, I, you know, to the people that lost a spouse other ways, you know. But, uh, and I know, and I know that feeling. But, you know, some people, you know, they go to work and they don't come home because there's a car or whatever. And, of course, that, that's horrible because there's no last word said or maybe just on the phone, you know, in the morning or a kiss goodbye in the morning. This was horrible because, like I said, the, the pulling of my arm, leaving this house, he tried to tell me something. And if I know Tony, it was, and it, it would be, Jackie, please don't make me die. Please don't let me die. I guarantee those were the words that he was trying to say to me. Jackie, please don't let me die. Because he was so afraid of death. So afraid but Jackie, of Jackie, but you did everything that you knew to, fortunately, I know, I know. You, trust, you, you, you trusted the medical profession to tell you what to do. And you fought against them. Remember, they said don't call 911, and you called 911, and you took him in anyway for them to save him. So you did everything humanly possible that you could possibly do. Please don't take this guilt with you. Please. Tony would not. Tony doesn't blame you. He wouldn't blame you for this. You did what you could do. And you don't have a medical degree, and, you know, even if you did have a medical degree, some of those people that do what they do, if they do know what they're doing, it's it's outright premeditated murder. If they don't know what they're doing by telling you to give him those drugs, then they are ignorant, and they should not be in that field. Because everybody that they are now pushing into hospice, as you say, those people are not necessarily dying. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for hospice, and I'm not saying there's not a place for some drugs, but it is under certain circumstances. And originally when hospice came about, it was for somebody who was in third, fourth stage of cancer, was in excruciating pain, and it was to give them comfort. But you have to let the patient and the family know that these drugs are going to do this and that person is going to die, and then it is the decision of the family and the patient to make the decision. And if they don't have something like that, that they're imminent, that death is imminent, really a real cause, then they have no business being under hospice, and hospice is not being fair to people by coming in there and saying, you've been in and out of the hospital, you don't want to go through this, let's just go ahead and we'll come in and we'll help you and we'll give you support, and they make it sound like it's going to be something great for that person. Exactly. Well, that's what I thought. I thought they were going to be there to help me bathe him, to change the bed, to do this, to do that. Uh, that's and, what they tell it you. It, it, yeah, and, and no. it wasn't. It wasn't. It was completely it, different. 
all, I felt like all I felt I felt like a a, a a drug a drug dealer. That's how I felt. Like all I did was give this man drugs, 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 drugs. But what you, know? you expected, and, but what you expected to happen when you took him home is that you he would get better there instead of going to yes, a rehabilitation. Yes. You could bring yes. him back to health, and that is what they led you to believe. Yeah. So I just wish he would have. I just wish he would have said. Yeah, I'd rather go back to the nursing home, Jackie. I just wish you would have said that because then, you know. But he, well, but he wanted know, to go. But Jackie, he wanted to go home and be there with you. I know. And he I didn't know, know and you didn't know that this is what was yeah. going to happen. There's no yeah, way well, you could have known this. Well, I, 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 you know what? I just, um, they, they ruined, they, they ruined me. They, 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 they took from me. Somebody very special in my life. They really did. They really did. They did. They did. You know, they took. took and the, oh my God! At this point, twenty-five the best years. Can do is to com- continue to stand up and remember the good things about Tony, the loving time that you had, the good things. And I know it's hard, but don't let them ruin the rest of your life. Yeah. You've got your sons. Oh. I mean, you do have yeah, your kids. Yeah, I have my children. Yeah. So that's that yeah. part. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one they, of the things that you still, said that you went back to them and told them you did not like what they put on the death certificate. Oh yeah, they wanted to did change it. Did they agree? Yeah, they said they would change it, right? Yeah, yeah. They wanted to put. They want. She they, when she called me back, she said, "Well, if we put heart, would that make you feel better? Would would that be better to put heart?" And I'm like, well, "Why would you put his heart? His heart was fine. He had a pacemaker. Right? Why would right. you do that? Why don't you put the so, real thing? Why don't you put overdose? Like you know, like in, like I have the papers in front of me. He died from an overdose. He never came out of it. What don't you understand?" What did, right. what did hospice not understand? It was an well, they, overdose. But Jackie, they, they understood. They they understand. They know that it was. But just the sheer fact that they offered to change it for you, if it was a right. realistic cause, then they would have never uh-huh. done that. And they're not going to exactly. list overdose uh-huh. because that means they're complicit. And Exactly. I mean, how many exactly. millions of people do you think that die every year in hospice and in nursing homes that somebody is going to admit, like the the guy in Ohio that's killing all of these people, right. 34 people with all of the fentanyl overdoses? He's been caught I now. Know. He's been busted. So you I and know, I, I know. and all of the people who have lost loved ones can yeah. hope that are us continuing to talk about it. We don't bury it. We talk about it. We're mm-hmm. up front with it. We warn other people who haven't been through it that maybe we're on something and maybe we can make a difference, and that's what we have to keep doing. Well, that's what I'm saying, the awareness, the awareness. You know, like like I said, if I, like if I wish I knew. I wish I knew before what I know now because it would have been so different. But, you know, that's how we learn. But that's it's right. sad to have to learn. It's sad to have to learn a lesson from the loss of a life. Nobody should have to learn a lesson from the loss of a life. That's not fair. That's no. not how it works. That's not how it works. 
And, no, and that, but that, now that with your children, your children know what you went through, and they now oh, are exactly. aware of that, and they can save you. Make sure you don't go through that. Make sure other people don't. Exactly, exactly. And well, that's, that's, why, you know, that's what I wanted to put awareness out there also. Just, you know what, they, people need to be aware of, just like there's probably something else that we need to be aware of that we're not aware of, you know. But this this is important because your elderly, your loved, your elderly loved ones, you know, of, you know, they fall, they break a hip, and, and it's hard to heal, and we know that. We know that with the right. elderly, you know, with the fragile bones. And then next thing you know, you know, they're, they're, they're in the rehab, and then, you know, they get weaker and weaker, and then they end up either um, they end up in, in hospice or palliative care. And right. If they would have offered palliative care for Tony, right, if they would have, if they would have offered, am I saying that right, the palliative care? Yes, you are. Okay. If they would have offered Tony that, that's a completely whole different thing than hospice. And I read up on that. If they would have, because palliative care treats curable diseases, okay? No. And, and, and but palliative it, it care, no, no, no. Palliative care is end-of-life care. That is what it is. That is when they start giving them morphine, Ativan, fentanyl, right. Haldol. Palliative care is end-of-life care. It is what hospice calls compassionate care. And all it is okay, is I, putting you to a drug a drug stupor, and that will end your okay. life. So they do not treat that, you. and they will tell you when you go into hospice that they will stop giving you, or some of them will be honest and, and actually tell you we're going to stop giving you the medication. Others will say we're not going to stop giving them the medication. They will continue to take their blood pressure medicine, kidney medicine, gout medicine, whatever oh, it is. I got you. Okay. But they will stop yeah. it. They just don't tell you they uh-huh. stopped it. Or right, if, I got you. if the patient can't swallow, then obviously they can't continue to take their vitamins or, you know, any of their medication. Right. But they will yeah. tell you they won't take it away, but they will. Yeah. And that was, and that was another thing they had they mentioned, that they were going to put a bolus in him. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, I know that's a feeding tube. And I know what that is because he's had one before, you know. And um, like, so, if you're uh, if you're hospice and you're not going to give him nutrition or fluid, why would you even suggest that? You know, then that that didn't make sense either. So I really, I I really the don't think hospice. Knew what, yeah, it was one of the papers. One of the the papers. I really don't it's think it. hospice knew what they were doing. I don't think they I don't think they knew what they were doing with with my husband. Like I told you, there were two there were two nurses. The one was. Like, like I told, like, she was, like, so sympathetic, but yet didn't talk to me, like, like, it looked like she wanted to say something to me, but she didn't, and then there was the other one, like, like, you know, she, like, came in like a bat out of hell, you know what I'm saying, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's the one that mentioned, you know, the, the, the bolus, you know, like, if, with, you know, with the, um, if they revived him, okay, if, if he had to be revived. And like being a full code, he would be on a, a bolus, the feeding tube. You know, that's what I'm talking about from the beginning. Well, like if, yeah, you know, well, if I don't he know why because like, he came home and he was eating, right? 
well, that's what I'm saying. He was right. eating. This is what I don't understand. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It racks my brain every day. I think every day. I, I, I read every day. You know, I've, I've, I've cross-matched diseases with pills. I've cross-matched like, his pills with the pills that they gave him and what the, what the interactions were. And I told you, the first line, the first line on every prescription is they cause death in elderly patients. Now, I don't know if 72 is considered elderly, elderly, but, you know, but uh, well, it's just like... Like why it would you used give to somebody? not be, but but certain drugs over the age of sixty five are not right appropriate for patients. Good. But okay. but with them when they're doing this, they don't really care. Yeah. At that point, yeah. <laughs> they're they're making mm-hmm. the decision. So um, we right. have a couple minutes left here. Um, I'd like okay. to thank you for being on the show tonight. I know this was very difficult okay. for you. I, I know how passionate you are about it and how hurtful this was mm-hmm. for them to take Tony away from you, and I am so sorry. Um, for the rest of you listeners out there, just please, if you haven't been through this, there are places you can go if you go to org. There is stealth euthanasia. Ron Panzer wrote that, and there is a huge amount of data out on that website. If you're on Facebook, Murdered by Hospice is another good one. And I would like to thank Marty Oakley very much for allowing us to have these shows and bring this on air. I know it is a a very difficult topic to be discussed, but it helps people to be able to get it out. If you want to tell your story... At the end of this, there is a website or email that you can send to me and request to be on the show. Um, and that's all I have to say. So, Marty, is there anything you want to add? Uh, I, I want to thank you, Jackie, for um, uh, coming on air. This was just gut-wrenching, and I'm so sorry for your grief and what's happened here. Thank I you. truly am. Um, okay, oh, my goodness. Uh, I wanted to remind everybody uh, of the Whistleblower Summit that takes place at the end of July every year, July 29th, 30th, and 31st this year. These shows are coordinated with the Summit Whistleblowers, and um, if you could make it out there, we'd be glad to see you. Uh, We'll be talking about hospice out there at the Summit this year quite extensively, so if you could make that, uh, we'd appreciate seeing you there. Marcia, thank you. This was uh, heartbreaking show, but it, yeah. yes, it uh, in this story needed to get out there. Maybe this will make it a little more real for people. They'll understand the grief and the pain people go through when they see someone they love taken from this from them intentionally. This is done intentionally, right. and this is what yeah. you have to. This is no accident. This wasn't the natural turn of events. These people were culled out of the population. So I would suggest yeah. everybody that can download this show, share it all over the place. We don't have any prohibition on that. Get it out there on an MP3. People need to hear this. Yes. Marsha, I want to thank you. This yeah. is, was a very good broadcast. Jackie, again, well, thank, thank you, you for coming on. And we'll see you thank all you, next Marty. week, or in two weeks. Yes, two Jackie, weeks. I'm so sorry. Wednesday. Yep, two That's weeks. It. We'll be back. Thank, thank all right. you very good much. Good night, everyone. Thank you very much. Okay, good night. Good night. Good night.